Sit right down and I'll show you where my dreams began. I'm Michael Dugan, your culinary host, guiding you through the chef's journey. Join me at the chef's table where you'll experience stories, secret sauces, signature dishes, and kitchen disasters. In part two, we feel questions from Voice for Chefs listeners on baking. Victoria explains how she is coping with the pandemic and take a deeper look at Victoria's passion for sourdough and the Canterbury Baking School. Let's get back to the show. Now, pivoting a little bit, the pandemic has been really hard on a lot of people. Victoria, what have you done to cope with the pandemic and get back on your feet? Okay, so, I mean, Clubhouse was excellent because it meant that I could talk to people and I could listen to people. And, I mean, I spend a lot of time researching because I just love what I do and I want to find out more about it all the time. So that I've had more time to do that. Um, But I did think a little bit about my business that I had no passive income. So unless I'm teaching face to face physically, I I have no income coming in. So I have um, just recorded some video classes, which when I'm happy with them, uh, will be going out online. Fantastic. Yes. So I've tried to adapt as I've gone along. And um, I thought that's a really good way of doing it, especially meeting so many people from different countries. Yeah, they uh, people were saying, well, you know, why haven't you got a video? I want to buy a video. So I thought, okay, I will. And really, yeah, just keeping going. I still had these people working for me and just trying to raise my profile in as much as we are still here. And I was doing some free Zoom classes as well and questions and answers about sourdough and and oh yeah. Helping people. So we did quite a lot of that as well, which was really nice. So I yeah, and for me I was, you know, even though it did hit me, I was um able to use it in a positive way and we have been able to reopen. And now it's a little bit precarious because people are not sure whether they should come. I have some classes happening and a few people are not quite happy yet to be in a group. Yeah, it's still early days, um, really, for people in England because of the Omicron and it seems to be escalating. So whether I can keep going over these next few months, I'll have to see. But I am in a very fortunate position because my business has grown that I will be always able to reopen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We got to count our lucky stars, as they say. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. I feel very fortunate too. Um, because the pandemic for me, I launched a podcast 
I connected to Clubhouse and I reduced my commute by two and a half hours a day. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that's something. <laughs> so I'm grateful. And, you know, still, still, I tell my wife, we joke about this a lot. I, I told her one day, the other day, I said, you know, I really want to see other people. <laughs> and what I meant by that was that I just want to see other people. I want to meet with my friends and she wants to do the same thing, you know, and we are on Zoom and we're online, but we don't go out and visit a lot of people yet. But we do support local restaurants uh, all the time because oh, they're yes. really struggling. Yeah. So moving on, is there anything unique you did last year that you've never done before? So in 2021, is there anything unique that you've done? Mm, I'm, I'm trying to think. Well, I'd never done any um, Zoom oh. sort of classes. Uh, these, okay. as I said, were free. So yeah. it, you know, I had no pressure on me and it was just uh-huh. great fun. A whole group wow. of people, uh, some that I met on Clubhouse and other sure. friends and they just joined and, and we just did it every week, something we made together and, and it, it was lovely. And so I'd never done that before and um, I enjoyed it a lot. It was just nice. I'm going to move on to a section we call Let's Get Cooking. <laughs> can you describe or can you tell us about a special place in the world that you've been that connects food and culture? <laughs> Italy. <laughs> ah, okay. definitely. I mean, because I was trained by this Italian master chef, yeah. the style yeah. that I cook is is Italian. And, okay. I mean, I was in Sardinia just in oh, September. Oh, don't say Sardinia. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. where our honeymoon was. <laughs> oh, I, I love Sardinia, and and I'm yeah, actually looking um, to open a foodie a foodie retreat in Sardinia, oh possibly my gosh. next year if we can okay. do it. Yeah, so it's just not being able to travel easily um, is sort of delaying it. But that is one of my next plans to pursue that. So I went to Sardinia to have a look around and to to look at venues etc so yeah quite interesting um that's an amazing magical island yeah so maybe this is a better answer to your previous question Mm -hmm. what was something i did yeah last year was last year yeah (laughs) yes with with that in mind as well as Mm -hmm. to swim in the beautiful ocean (laughs) wow Okay. Now, when I think about signature dishes, I always ask our chefs and mm-hmm. bakers and owners, <laughs> why are you so passionate about sourdough? Oh, the health benefits. It's just okay. amazing. Um, not only how good fermented foods are for you, but the fact that it actually helps your immune system, um, your gut bacteria is improved and it is amazing and also it changes the composition of the grains and that to me is is really wonderful so for instance grains contain something i'm going to try and put it very simply and they're called phytates 
And this is really why grains get such bad press, because these phytates block um, your body from absorbing any of the nutrients, the goodness that are contained in the grains. Um, so all you really are getting are the bulk and fiber, which is good for you, but you're not actually getting any of the minerals, the vitamins, the nutrients present. But the, during the fermentation process, these phytates break down and they allow your body to absorb and utilize the nutrients in your grains. And to me, that is amazing. And then it travels from the gut and it releases serotonin, which actually goes to your brain, which gives you a well-being feeling. And so it's been proven not only is sourdough good for you physically, because mm. the fermentation process also breaks down gluten in the grains, but it also is good for your well-being. And to me, that is just amazing. It's a whole package. <laughs> and wow. and I th that is why I'm so passionate about sourdough. Yeah, that's incredible. So I have a Facebook group for Voice for Chefs, and I reached out and I said, does anyone have any questions for Victoria? And I'm going to uh -huh. share a couple. And we're going to cool. play question and answer, and I'm not yes. trying to stump you. These are just live questions from our okay. Facebook group. Okay. So Kyle Hall, uh, he asks, he says, I hate to admit it. I hate to admit my baking ignorance, but I've had a run of attempting to get yeast breads to rise and the bread is not cooperating. Is there any foolproof way of getting yeast breads to work? Um, yes, possibly. Um, first of all, if you use yeast, I would suggest you use fresh yeast. Fresh yeast is so much better than the dried yeast. And oh. for instance, when you mix the dried yeast with salt, the salt will inhibit the, the yeast from rising. If you have fresh yeast and it comes into contact with the salt, it has no bad effects at all. It will not affect the rising of the yeast. So it's often a really good idea, if possible, to use fresh yeast, and you will find that that will really help. The other thing, if you do use a dried yeast, because that's all that's available, it's always good to um, activate it in warm water. So it's just tepid water, and I tend to add a few glugs of maple syrup, agave syrup, or whatever you wish to use. And this does help to activate the yeast a little better. And you can also do likewise with the fresh yeast. You can make it into a little bit of a paste and you can also add a sweet a sweetener to it. Um, keep it as healthy as possible because um, it, it just really helps the bread 
in my opinion. So, yeah, okay. uh, that should help also not to rush the proving stages. Make sure that you get a good rise during the time that you're making it. If There are lots of people who do like a, a no-need method, um, and I think we, we need to work and stretch the fibres, and then we need to leave it to double in size, not to just rise a little bit, but to actually do what it says to double in size. And uh. so at every process, you don't rush it. You just take it step by step, and the reward should be a really lovely loaf of bread at the end. So I That's hope that has helped a little bit. Oh, I definitely think so. And thanks for your question, Kyle. And Linda Vorthman asks, is there any good substitute for real butter in baked goods without the loss of flavor? Oh, I, I'm in the UK. We have a, a lovely vegan margarine and it really is hard to find um, one that isn't full of rapeseed oil or, um, you know, this one is is really very nice. So I would just say read the ingredients and, and try them. Try them on a piece of bread. And if they taste nice, then they will be good in cooking. And okay. I know exactly what she means because that buttery flavor is a bit special. But um, I have a husband who's plant-based and I, I use a really good quality vegan um, margarine. And yes, it tastes very nice. The well, baking. thank you. Thank you, Linda, for that question. And finally, Jennifer Axness asks, I'd like to know, generally speaking, how to make the perfect pie crust. I make chicken <laughs> pot pie. I know. I make chicken pot pie from time to time and would love to perfect that part of the recipe. Okay. So I never use a recipe, but if oh. you do follow a recipe, that will be absolutely perfect. But the way I do it is I make a crumble. So I do my flour and my salt and then either oil or margarine and I make it as if I'm making a crumble a very fine crumble and then I add my liquid my water very um slowly and okay. I do this until it becomes a ball and then I put it I cover it up and I normally put it in the fridge for half an hour to relax and then I take it out and I don't do much fiddling with it. I just get it all together as a ball and put it in the fridge. And then when I take it out of the fridge, I add a little bit of flour so it's not too sticky. And then I, I roll it out. And I find that this works beautifully every time. And if I am making a savoury um, use making my pie crust for a savory dish, I make even the pie crust tasty. <laughs> so if if you um, wanted to add herbs or or you can add grated cheese and pepper, oh, or wow, I good. often add 
yeast flakes um, if I'm doing oh. something vegan. And that really makes it nice. And I was doing, I made um, a vegan pie the other day and I didn't want to put an egg wash on it. And so I got some plant milk and I got some turmeric and I got some olive oil and I made it into a to a, a liquid in, in a cup and I brushed that on my pie and immediately it looked beautiful because it had that lovely yellowy tinge that yeah, an egg wash yeah. gives you. And yeah, so it's little things and then maybe I cut out a little shapes and I just think things should look beautiful. If your food looks beautiful, it's inviting. So I like to make things look nice as well. That's fantastic. And and thanks, Jennifer, for your question. So one of my favorite questions to ask our chefs, bakers, <laughs> owners, culinary artists is, have you ever had a kitchen disaster? Yes, I certainly have. So I was taught um, a certain way of making bread, and it was quite I felt at the time quite laborious. I had to weigh out all my ingredients and have them in bowls in front of me before I began. And um, we worked with quite, this was when I was training, we worked with very big mixers, but it's exactly the same whether you do a large quantity or a small quantity. I had to follow procedure. My master chef, he said to me, okay, I'm, I'm going to market. And I, I can't remember how many. It was just under 100, I think, loaves. He said, when I come back, I want you to make maybe 80 or 90 loaves. And I thought, ha, easy. I can do this and I can I can cut corners because this is quite a laborious method that I have to do. I, I can do it my way. So I I had this great big mixer and I put I milled all my flour, etc. Put it all in, I put my salt in, etc. Um, and I put everything in, I mixed it. And I took it out, I kneaded it, I prepared it, I put everything into proving baskets and I left them on the side and I thought, wow, I'm a wonder. I've done this in half the time and the rise was just so, so beautiful. And um, the, the Italian guy, he came back oh. and he must have come back to check on me. But he, he came back early and he said to me immediately, Victoria, what have you done? And I go, I'm a wonder, well, what is he saying? He said, you've forgotten salt. Oh <laughs> and my God. I had made nearly 100 loaves of bread without salt. And it was really a lesson for me. And what happens is the salt is like a stabilizer. It it holds the bonds of the of the structure together. And without okay. it, it sort of explodes to a high rise. And then it once it's in the oven or you take it out of the basket, it will deflate like a pancake. And 
for me, this was a very big lesson. I believe you learn from your mistakes. And um, now when I teach, and ah, I must finish, I had to start from scratch again. (laughs) And I remember I was probably up, I was past midnight and I was still doing these loads of bread. And I now teach also my students that you weigh everything out. And it's a very transparent way of um, working. It does take a little bit more time, but I don't think I've ever forgotten to add salt again. So, So that was my absolute disaster. Wow. And that's a great, that's a great life lesson, learning lesson too. Yes. Um, Shortcuts are not always the way. Right. Right. And I was much happier when I was younger. (laughs) Ah, gotcha. Slow down and take your time. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. So as we wrap up, uh, how do we connect with you? How does our audience connect with you and, and where, where should they go to learn more about you and the Canterbury Baking School? Oh, well, I do have a website. Um, it's canterburybakingschool.com. I believe I've also got a YouTube channel, but I haven't got that much up there, but we will be adding to it. And hopefully soon um, I will have some videos um, yeah. available. Oh, I know something else, a fact that I can tell you. Um, My great-grandfather was French, and he was chef to King George and lived in Windsor Castle. And my grandmother lived there in the grounds. (laughs) I just threw that in a little bit of background. So possibly it was in my blood. <laughs> to, oh, to get into food. Wow. Well, Victoria, I just want to thank you. I really appreciate spending time with you and in, in this conversation. Just really appreciate you coming on our show today. Oh, thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure, and it's been yeah, I really enjoyed chatting. It, it's um, times flown by, and. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. You you made it very comfortable. Yeah, your questions were were really good. And um, if anybody has any little questions or problems with their bread of sourdough, etc., they can always send me um, a little message. And if I can help, I'm happy to to guide them on their on their journey. Thanks for joining us today. Follow us on Facebook. Find our website in the show notes. Subscribe on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen. Leave a comment with five stars and stay tuned for the next episode of Voice for Chefs. 